Welcome to Equipping the Body. I'm Dr. Brad Starnes, and today we're continuing through our walk of the book of Luke. We've come now to Luke 6, 46 through 49. Now, this passage before us today is one of the most misused I know of, and I'll tell you why. Many read it, and their sermon and or interpretation follows something like this. Build your life on Jesus so when bad stuff happens, you can make it. Well, that may be true, but that's not the point of the text at all. You should build your life on Jesus. I completely agree, but that's not what Jesus is describing here. Remember the context. He has been belaboring his point of differentiating between those who are truly saved and those who are deceived. In fact, in Matthew's account of the Sermon on the Mount, this passage about the rock and the house falls on the heels of one of the most horrifying passages in all of Scripture. Matthew 7, 21 through 23 speaks of those who will say to him, Lord, Lord, but will not enter into heaven. He will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The point is, many call Jesus Lord, Lord, but in their hearts, they're not truly in submission to him. They've never actually repented and obeyed the gospel. And that's why Jesus says in this passage, why do you call me Lord, Lord, there's that phrase again, and do not the things which I command you or the things which I tell you. You see, there are many that appear to be saved but have been deceived. And Jesus uses this analogy of two houses, one being built on the foundation, which is obedience to Christ, repentance, salvation and the other is not and so when the storm comes one house stands and the other house falls and in fact is ruined regma in the greek that means torn asunder now the storm here i believe is the final judgment of god the final analysis of one's house, one's spiritual life, the real you, if you will. And I'm going to prove that to you by going through this text. Now, keep in mind that Jesus is speaking to a large group of his own followers. Remember, he called 12 apostles out of a larger group of disciples that had been following him for some time. In other words, Jesus was speaking to individuals who claimed to be saved, who claimed to follow him. Context is so important because we need to interpret this in light of his audience, who he's speaking to. I could sum it up this way. Obedience is evidence of repentance. Obedience is evidence of repentance. And what you'll see is verse 46 gives us the key to understand this otherwise often misquoted and misinterpreted passage. Let me read the text and make more sense of this for you. Luke 6, 46 through 49. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them, just catch that, and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. Watch this, verse 49. 
But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. But don't miss this last sentence. It didn't just fall. And the ruin, the chregma of that house was great. I want to preach to you on this subject from the text. Delivered or doomed? The difference between professors and possessors. As R.C. Sproul once said, many who profess faith do not actually possess faith. And so Jesus is building a case. He said their fruit will be evidence and the final analysis, the storm of God's judgment will reveal what their house, a.k.a. their life, was actually built on. You say, Pastor, you think this passage is about obedience and judgment? Absolutely it is. Again, I call your attention to Luke six forty-six. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Now, pay close attention to what Jesus said. Most people skip that first verse. It's differentiating between those who do what he says and those who do not do what he says. You say, Pastor, we're not saved by works. That's correct, friend. But salvation does work. The Bible tells us that, yes, we're saved by faith, by, uh, saved by grace through faith in Christ. However, it goes on. Created in Christ Jesus for good works from the book of Ephesians if you need to fact check that. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't work to be saved, but if you're truly saved, there will be some good works, a.k.a. some evidence. What is the evidence of true repentance? Obedience. I was talking with a good friend yesterday, actually, I believe it was, Dr. Ron Lynch, and he said this, Obedience is the normal Christian life. Obedience is the normal Christian life. I like to say it this way. Obedience is evidence of repentance. Obedience is evidence of repentance. Now, I want to explain some things about this uh, passage before we get started, just to show you what the analogies represent. First of all, um, the one who builds his house on the rock is the, is the person who's actually saved, right? We, we get that because they're delivered, okay? The person who does not build their house on the rock is the person who's lost, the person who is not saved, who does not withstand the judgment, the final analysis, okay? One is delivered, the other is doomed. You see, Christianity is very black and white. Either you accept and follow Christ or you don't. There is no third option. The storm then, what must it represent but at least and in as much the judgment of God, the final analysis? Again, keeping with the context, he's been talking about fruit. Now he's talking about a house that stands or falls. And he's speaking to a group of people who profess to be saved. When I spoke about the trees early in this passage, I made mention that these trees from a distance looked the same, but upon further inspection, they couldn't be more different. 
These houses look the same. They have the same color shutters, same color shingles. Hey, they both even have the same color door. But upon further inspection by the builder, if you will, they couldn't be more different. One has a foundation, the other does not. So the first thing I want you to notice about this text is the difference between professors and possessors. A possessor hears the word, then heeds the word they heard. The difference is between hearing and heeding. Possessors hear, then heed. In other words, they listen, then obey to what they heard. Jesus says, he says, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings, don't miss this, and does them, I will show you whom he is like. And then he goes on to say they, their house is built upon the rock. What a concept. It's not enough to hear the gospel. The gospel must be obeyed. I, I've said this time and time again. The gospel is not a suggestion to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. Jesus commanded humanity to repent and be born again. Paul said that God now commands men everywhere to repent. The gospel's a command. It's not an offer. We, we've got to change our language because we've talked about the well-meaning offer, the good offer. No, no sir, no, ma'am. The gospel's not an offer. It's a command. So to reject Jesus is to disobey the command to repent. So possessors hear the word, then heed the word they heard. They obey. Now, let me give you a cross-reference. Jesus' half-brother, James, agreed with his brother. Watch this, James 1.22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves, deceiving yourselves. That's James 1, 22. Those who hear the word but never repent and obey the word, i.e. do the word, they have deceived themselves into thinking they're saved. Again, I remind you of the context. He's speaking to people who claim to be saved. This message is not for the open crowds. This was for the church, if you will. And Jesus knew full well that many in that crowd, because the Bible tells us all the time that after that day, some of them did not follow him. We see that phrase in the gospel. Jesus knew full well that many people in that crowd professed faith but did not possess faith. And so he constantly warns. Peter and Paul also warned us to examine ourselves, to make our election sure. Paul said to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Constantly. We are warned about the false conversion of self-deception. Now, that's possessors. They hear the word and they heed the word. They're not hearers only, but they're also doers. So James and Jesus are in full agreement, as they should be, because all scripture is inspired of God. Then we talk about professors. These are those who hear but do not heed. They listen but do not obey. What are they like? Jesus says they're like somebody who builds a house without a foundation. And in the final analysis, the storm of God's judgment 
their house collapses and is ruined. Hmm. When I begin to wrestle with this text and begin to see it, I don't think in a new way, I think in the way it was supposed to be seen, I listen to MacArthur and he concurs with my interpretation of Soda Sproul and that doesn't mean anything other than I'm checking myself. I begin to think, well, how is God's judgment viewed in Scripture? Is it ever viewed as a storm? Sure it is. In the book of Amos, in the book of Amos chapter 5, it says, let, let your justice uh, flow like a mighty river or like a stream. And it talks about the people being taken out by that stream. God's judgment is the storm. And the final analysis, will your house stand? Really what this text is, is a warning. And let me tell you something. It pays to heed warnings. Let me give you a story. In 1969, in past Christian Mississippi, a group of people were preparing to have a hurricane party. In the face of a storm named Camille... They were about to party. Now, were they ignorant of the dangers? Could they have been overconfident? Did they let their egos and pride influence their decision? We'll never know. But what we do know is that the wind was howling outside the posh Richelieu apartments when Police Chief Jerry Peralta pulled up sometime after dark. Facing the beach less than 250 feet from the surf, the apartments were directly in the line of danger. Now, a man with a drink in his hand came out to the second floor balcony and waved. Sheriff Peralta yelled, Y'all need to clear out of here as quickly as you can. The storm is getting worse. But as others joined the man on the balcony, they laughed at Sheriff Peralta, and they said, This is my land. And then one of them even said, If you want me off, you'll have to arrest me. Well, the report tells us that Sheriff Peralta didn't arrest anyone. He got in his patrol car and left. He wrote down the names of the next of kin of the 20 or so people who gathered there to party through the storm. They laughed. As he took their names, they had been warned, but they had no intention of leaving. 10.15 p.m. that same night, the front wall of the storm came ashore. Scientists clocked Camille's wind speed at more than 205 miles per hour, the strongest on record at that time. Raindrops were said to have the force of bullets, and waves off the Gulf Coast crested between 22 and 28 feet high. News reports later showed that the worst damage came at the little settlement of motels, go-go bars, and gambling houses known as Past Christian, Mississippi, where some 20 people were killed at a hurricane party in the Richelieu apartments. Nothing was left, did you hear that? Nothing was left of that three-story structure but the foundation. The only survivor was a five-year-old boy who was located by authorities the next day on a mattress floating around. It pays to heed the word you heard. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's giving a warning. Now, we've talked about the difference between possessors and professors. And the difference is nothing more than repentance. And repentance is evidenced by obedience. Jesus said in another way in the book of John, I believe it was, If you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. So in the final analysis of God's judgment, your house, that is your spiritual life, will not stand against the raging storm of his wrath unless it is truly built upon a genuine relationship with Christ and repentance and obedience 
to his word. Your house may fool your neighbors, if you will, but it will not pass God's building inspection. As I said, God's judgment is seen as a stream or a violent flood, such as an example in the book of Amos 5. But let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Now, it's also interesting to note that the part of Israel that Jesus was speaking at this moment was known for flash flooding. And what they would do when they built a house, they didn't pour a foundation like we have today. They would dig down till they got to the rock. Then they would build their house. It took time. It was a serious matter. It was a deep matter. You can't help but see the parallels. Those who go deep with Christ, that is those who are truly saved, because I don't believe there's any such thing as a shallow saved person, because things that are alive grow, and things that grow change. And I'll just put it to you in old plain country boy wisdom, things that are different are not the same. So those who have failed to go deep, who have failed to genuinely repent, Christ has come alive in them by the work of the Holy Spirit. They'll stand. But those who have made some shallow pass at religion, who never, as we say today, got serious about that church stuff, they'll be blown away like the chaff of the wind and ultimately destroyed, doomed, if you will. Let's look at that. The doom of the, the next thing we see is the deliverance of those who genuinely possess faith. Jesus says, When the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. The rock should not only be understood here as Jesus himself, but also as genuine repentance and obedience towards Jesus. It's genuine salvation. No wonder he's called what? The rock of our salvation. You can understand it both sides. It's both sides of the same coin, if you will. And that will last the judgment of God. But not only the deliverance of those who truly possess faith, but we also have the doom of those who simply profess faith. What of those who built their house on something other than obedience to Christ? What will be their final evaluation? Well, Jesus tells us, But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. You see, it is not just that the rock is a good foundation and that dirt is a bad foundation, but one man took the time to dig. One man, if you will, made his calling and election sure to borrow some biblical language. And one man did not. He was flipping. He was shallow. He was religious, shall we say? But it was not genuine. And he wouldn't stand. What's the difference? Circle back to verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? And again, in the book of Matthew 7, 21, as a matter of fact, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, 
Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven, comma, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. You can go through the motions and keep up appearance of your house to me and to anyone else. But when the building inspector comes, Jesus Christ, he won't miss a thing. He won't miss a thing. You know, I've been around construction just a little bit. Uh, I worked for my cousin's roofing company. We never built a house from the ground up, but we were around construction. Obviously, we were roofing. And one thing I know is when you go to buy a house or to sell a house, at least here where I live, the building inspector has to give the final say. If he comes through that house and says, this is wrong, that is wrong, you're not going to sell that house until it's addressed. You're not going to fix that. And if he comes by and says, no, then that means no. You see, Jesus is going to be the final inspector of your house. And if it's not up to code, if it's not built upon the foundation of a relationship, genuine relationship that is with Christ, that is evidenced by obedience, by hearing and hearing, hearing and heeding rather, the word that you heard from the Lord, then it's not going to pass inspection. It'll be destroyed. It'll be doomed. It'll be divided. In conclusion, I challenge you to consider your heart. Have you truly repented of your sin and followed Christ? Do you see the evidence of obedience in your life? Do you heed the words you heard? Are you a hearer of the word only or a doer? You see, you can fool me. You can fool everybody at your church. But will your house pass inspection? Again, I want you to consider in your mind two houses, they look similar. Let's just let's be a little creative here. They're both white houses with picket fences, black architect shingles, red shutters, and a blue door. Both have, I mean they look exactly the same. Let's even get more specific. They're both sitting on a half acre lot. I mean they're side by side. They're next door neighbors. And from the outside to the untrained eye, they are identical. But upon further inspection, one is laid on the foundation, the other is not. And when the storm comes, one falls and one stands. Will your house stand? Again, I say, if you if you haven't missed caught, excuse me, if you haven't caught anything from this sermon, Hey, if you, you just thought, man, your illustrations were terrible or whatever, then catch this. The evidence of repentance is obedience. The evidence of repentance is obedience. It's my prayer. It's my plea that you will consider your house, not your neighbor's house, you see, this sermon isn't for the person uh, that you work with or go to school with or sit next to a church. Oh, no. This is for you. This is for me. This is personal. Will you consider your house? And if you look back through your life, if you were to be honest with yourself and say, you know, I am no different 
today than I was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Then, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you on the authority of God's word, you have not been regenerated. You have not been converted. You've not been saved. If you can live in open, unrepentant sin and you're not bothered, something's terribly wrong. And it's not wrong with God. It's wrong with you. You may have fallen into the trap of self-deception. Well, I've built the house. Yeah, but it's not on the right foundation. Consider your house. Doomed or delivered, the difference between professors and possessors. God bless you. Keep studying the book of Luke.